Welcome to the Your Mom Has a Blog podcast. I'm Melissa Edgington. And I'm Chad Edgington. Thank you for joining us on the podcast where we discuss living the Christian life in today's world. Thanks for being with us this week. So tonight we're going to talk about being patient with our children the way God is patient with us. Not always an easy task. I just appreciate the fact that you're always patient with me. Like right now? Are you being patient with me? Did I mess up your flow? (laughs) (laughs) Were you freestyling and I messed it up? We also talk about the party bus. The party bus. It's going to be a great show. Thanks for listening. Guess who's riding the party bus tomorrow? Hmm, I wonder. Yeah, it's me. I'm bringing the party to the bus. We have a fundraiser every year at the elementary school and the junior high now. Yeah. Does the fundraiser. And... Uh, if you sell so many items, you get to ride the party bus, but there ain't no party bus party, like a party bus party with the pastor. (laughs) The kids were all, I'm sure begging. Well, actually I just learned the truth that. That, um, the PTO president asked me to ride the party bus first, but I, I'm too busy. So I, I suggested that she call you. You're too busy. (laughs) You're too busy doing what? Were you just really feeling sorry for me? No, I oh. I really just can't go. I've got too much oh. on my plate. Okay. I'm never too busy for a party bus, y'all. <laughs> I got a lot to do, but number one on my list is anytime. Like, I've got things I love and things I, I put on my bucket list. Yeah. And one of those things is anytime you get invited to be on the party bus, you go on the party bus. Right. See, I suspected you would feel that way. That's why I thought she should call you. Yeah, so, I, you know, I lead the dances, right. hand motions, um, cheers. We party all the way around town. Yeah. And then we stop at the pizza place and pig out. That is your kind of party. Yes, that's my kind of party. <laughs> Fountain drinks, pepperoni pizza, party bus. I yeah. mean, I'm really looking forward to tomorrow. Yeah, there's... Like three sermons to prepare. Yeah. But I think every sermon's better after you've been on the party bus. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody call the seminaries. That's all they got to do is get the party bus going. Oh, man, if they had a party bus at the seminary, they would, I mean, you would would hear uh, the most dynamic preaching coming out of the seminary. Um, The churches would be banging down the door trying to get a new preacher. I won't. Uh, we, we were wondering uh, if you could uh, send us a few resumes from the um, from those uh, party bus preachers. <laughs> yeah. Well, our church is going to have high expectations now. I know they'll be like, you know, this was the week he rode the party bus. Yeah. So that sermon better be awesome. <laughs> I'll be like, hey, First Baptist only, how you doing? Are you hype up in here? I've been on the party bus. <laughs> Let's do some hand motions. No, so it's it's going to be great. 
So is there is there a disco ball in the party bus? It's kind of like that. I don't know exactly what it is. There's TVs playing like Space Jam. Really? I, I think on the the last party bus I was on was a basketball themed party bus. Oh. They have different themes. So I was on like the athletic basketball one, and that had Space Jam the movie playing, and like uh, that song Happy going. Yeah. Uh, things like that. That's so just a lot of kid pop music like a kid version of the pop music and then the kids are just dancing and excited and we just ride around town in the party bus so it's pretty awesome (laughs) i mean i'm really looking forward to it i'm kind of jealous well you should be so we'll uh we'll hit that party bus tomorrow so um man We've got something interesting to talk about tonight. We want to talk about having spiritual patience with your children. Yeah. So, uh, how many would you, do we have reason like number a number of like ways to do this, or do you just want to talk about the importance of it? Um, I just wanted to talk about it in general. Okay, so in, I don't have a list or anything. Okay, because I I like lists. I'm I gonna try to make do. I'm gonna try to make a list while you talk. Okay. I'll list them out. <laughs> I'm listing. <laughs> well, I was just thinking about this today, about how easy it is almost to expect our kids to be spiritually on the same level that we're on. Mm-hmm. And that's really an unrealistic expectation because, first of all, we've been Christians for a long time. Mm-hmm. We should be farther along spiritually than our children. That's not always the case, but we should be. And I think the reason I thought of this was because this morning Emerald was getting ready for school and she, you know, there's there's somebody in her class that, you know, is one of those kids that just, you know how sometimes kids have personality clashes. Mm-hmm. Well, she has a personality clash with a kid. And unfortunately, the kid has a personality clash with everyone. Okay. <laughs> or at least her. Yeah. And um, anyway, she said before she left the house that she hates this kid. Ooh. And so I just said, well, we're Christians are not allowed to hate anyone. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't hate anyone. The Bible says that <laughs> we can't hate anyone. And I said, you don't have to like everyone, but you do have to care about everyone. Mm-hmm. And I was really surprised whenever she looked up at me after I said that. And she said, thank you for telling me that. <laughs> and she said, I, I I, think I actually do like him. Well, that's and, nice. Yeah. She said, actually, he was pretty nice yesterday, you know. But I thought, you know, her response was simply, oh, I didn't know that. You know, thanks for telling me that. Yeah, we expect them to know everything. Yeah, and I think a lot of times whenever our kids say something like that, we react with so much shock. Right. You know, and get on to them, you know, for something really that they didn't even know was wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, because we've never stopped to explain to her. Why that's wrong. Well, you can't hate people, you know. Yeah, yeah. Until the opportunity presented itself. And... Then I was able to tell her, and she just accepted that. Okay, the Bible says we can't hate people. All right, I don't hate people. I don't hate, I don't hate him. <laughs> I'll tell you what she does hate, the shockwave. 
at Six Flags. <laughs> yeah. So we, we, she, you know, it was one of these, was one of these awesome days where they have, you know, if you've never been to Six Flags, it's like a big part of my life. We go there all the time. At the Six Flags over Texas is a big, tall tower, and it's hardly ever open. But it was open this one day, and we were looking down on all the rides, and we looked down at the Shockwave ride, which is an old, famous roller coaster. It opened in the late 70s, and it has, you know, it's like a steel tube roller coaster with two loop-de-loops. And those are like really famous loop-de-loops, weren't they? Yeah. In your mind as a kid, you're like, I'm never getting on that. Is that what you thought? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. But then you get old enough to ride it, and you get brave one day, and you realize how much fun it is. But anyway, the kids were looking down on the loop-de-loop ride, and they were like, that's going really slow. I'll ride that. So Emerald, all five years of her, got on a loop-de-loop roller coaster. <laughs> and we hit that first loop, and it just pushed her head right. The G-forces just pushed her head down. And uh, she went the first loop and the second loop, and she was looking at me like, I cannot believe you brought me on this ride, you know? Yeah. Uh, the bravery had all gone out of her face. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I cannot believe we put her on this ride. <laughs> I couldn't either. So anyway, we got But off. she was tall enough. I yeah, mean, I guess they consider it to yeah, be... It was safe. Yeah, I mean, it she, is pretty yeah, slow. She got off. It was slow. She got off the ride, and the kids were like, that was awesome. That was... It was, it was like, I didn't even realize we were upside down. It was amazing. It was amazing. And she said, I hate that ride. <laughs> I hate that. I'm never riding that. I hate that ride. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So she hates the shockwave. And yeah. I was trying to tell her, we can't hate roller coasters. We have to care for them even if we don't <laughs> like them. But she didn't, she didn't buy it. <laughs> you did a lot better teaching her there. All I taught her that day was don't trust your daddy when he says, it's no big deal. <laughs> oh, this is really fun. I didn't tell her I was afraid to ride that till I was like, you know, 10 or 11. Yeah. Yeah. So. She's pretty brave. She's a brave little kid. But yeah, you're right. You just got to kind of take the opportunity to teach them those, because it's not all obvious. Right. These, these truths of spiritual things are obvious to us because someone taught them to us. Right. And, you know, but when you're little, when you're even a teenager, you know, just why we do certain things or why we treat people a certain way you just have to kind of reinforce that so and i heard a good illustration that would apply to parenting kids as well this week Mm -hmm. Uh, was a pastor who was talking basically to other pastors and he was saying that you know a pastor prepares a sermon and he'll spend an entire week or longer in some Mm -hmm. cases pouring over a passage of scripture, studying it in depth and, Mm -hmm. you know, just gleaning all of this wisdom and goodness from it. And the Holy Spirit's been teaching him about it all week and he gets up in the pulpit to preach it. It would be unrealistic for a pastor to expect everyone in his congregation to get everything out of the passage in 20 minutes or 30 minutes Mm -hmm. that he got out Mm -hmm. of it in that week-long study. Right. And he was talking about that in terms of discipleship. You know, we can't expect our children or other people that we're discipling to understand all of the things that maybe we understand through time, through years of learning, you know, from the Bible, Mm -hmm. all of these truths. Yeah. And that's, uh, I would say, as a pastor, that's something that's hard to learn, but that you better learn it or you're not going to be successful. And it's probably true as a parent. 
where you're told, uh, we're told in scripture not to exasperate our children, but to train them up in godliness. So, or in the instruction of the Lord. So you're, you're thinking, well, what's, you know, what is exasperating your child? It's probably expecting way too much out of them. That's probably what exasperating them is, you know? Yeah. Just never letting up. And I, I think that's hard not, I think it's hard not to exasperate your children. Yeah. But you train them up. And how do we train people up? I think the thing to learn is we train people up slowly. You know, you're, you're raised. I mean, think about how long it takes for a child to become an adolescent. Hmm. Think about how long it takes for a child to become a toddler. Just, you just need patience. Right. You know, it's like growing trees. If you're, you know, who's got to be a really patient farmer, the Christmas tree farmer, right? Yeah. I wonder how long it takes to grow a Christmas tree. It can't take that long, right? It takes a year. <laughs> you think Christmas tree grow a year? I don't know. Girl, you crazy. <laughs> you don't know how long I'm it gonna, takes. I'm about to look it up, though. Let me see your phone here. We're going to find this out. But, you know, you got to be patient if you're going to. Well, maybe you don't. Maybe they do. Maybe this, maybe this is Christmas trees grow full grown in six months. Maybe maybe it blows my illustration. But I, I thought a tree, you know, took years to grow. How long? Oh, boy. I can't your phone. How long does it take to get a passport, to boil an egg, to get to Mars, to get to the moon, to boil a chicken? That's not what I want. Uh, how long does it take to grow? To grow, to grow a Chris. How long does it take to grow a Christmas tree? It's already it was already there. Someone else has wondered this. Oh boy. Seven to ten years. Seven to ten years. <laughs> See, and we just chop them down and then use them for a month and throw them away. No, 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 no. We get the ones made out of plastic and. No, I mean human oh, beings. Yeah, 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 yeah. That seems wrong. For an eight-foot Christmas tree, seven to ten years. Oh, my goodness. That's crazy. I had no idea. So what they have to do, you know, is they have to have, well, well this is the ones where we're starting them off. That That's the year-old ones. That field over there is the two-year-old ones. And you have to wait seven or eight years to get ten years to get a harvest so when you decide you're going to have a christmas tree business then you you're takes like, a lot of foresight okay so in seven years we can start selling these things yeah what do you do like in the meantime <laughs> that just must be a side business right <laughs> man that is crazy isn't it yeah. or, or maybe it just has to be a forest of those kind of trees already like you have to find a christmas tree forest <laughs> <laughs> so you get you a christmas tree forest oh look we bought the perfect christmas how how does a christmas tree forest get founded you know i think it's like tiny acorns and reindeer poop <laughs> <laughs> if santa lands there magically then, then, there's a christmas yeah, tree forest that must be it yeah. but you know we're growing we're that's kind of what we're doing we're when you're growing a congregation spiritually or growing your family spiritually, it takes a long time to, 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 to see things. And you have to be very, very patient because just like the preacher is seeing or the parent is seeing 
all the mistakes that are being made, all the all the traps that are being walked right into. You're seeing people go through all these frustrating learning experiences that you had too. And somebody was patient with you mm-hmm. as you walked through all these and you had to learn some things the hard way. And and people didn't discourage you. People were trying to warn you mm-hmm. and you weren't listening. And we're what people and kids go through those things. And what what you're trying to do as a parent, I think, maybe you can tell me if you disagree with me. I think you're you're always making a judgment call as to whether or not as a parent, as a pastor, whatever you're doing there that's in that mentor type role of when do you step in and prevent them from having to learn a certain lesson the hard way? Mm. And when do you let kind of the natural consequence occur for the behavior, you know? Yeah. And I think you're also constantly trying to determine what to make a big deal about yeah, and what to not make a big deal about. Yeah. You know? I pretty much just make a big deal out of everything. <laughs> party bus, y'all, going on the party bus. Well, I, I think that... I'm kind of a big deal. Maybe mothers especially. We have a hard time because our kids talk to us a mm. lot. And I think we have a hard time maybe reining in our reactions to things that kids say to us. Mm-hmm. Especially when they're describing something that happened at school and some way that they behave that we don't oh, like. Yeah. You know, I think we have to really stop and think, okay, do not overreact to what she is saying to you right now or she will not come and tell you things anymore. Right. You know? So you have to really be careful about that. You want to keep the open lines of communication going there. Mm-hmm. You don't want to make your daughter say, well, I don't need to tell my mom about that because she's just going to get upset. It'll fly off the handle at me. Right. Yeah. So you just, I, I think you're, you know, it's a, that's the hard thing about parenting is you're, you have to kind of do it. It's like a real time exercise. You know, it's yeah. a lot of the things that are happening. You had no idea this was going to happen. Right. You didn't know you, if, 10 minutes before you had no idea you were going to wind up in this conversation or walking through this circumstance with them. And trying to make it's just happening all right now, mm-hmm. and so you're you're making those you, those um, judgments of how serious is this, and you've got to make it really fast, right? Which that's uh, and and you know usually you can you can usually, I guess your gut instinct has to be pretty developed, but a lot of times I think if you do trust your gut, you know if you can if you can maybe develop your gut to not overreact. <laughs> Yeah. And just maybe try to remember. I think that's kind of how I I do a lot of things is it, I just can say, well, maybe this isn't that big of a deal. Right. I try to approach something usually from that standpoint. I don't want things to be a big deal. Mm-hmm. That's how you minimize a lot of drama in your life. Right. Is you start off and you say, you know what? This is not that big of a deal. Right. Compared to all the problems in the world, you know, this, whatever this issue is or what the kids are dealing with, um, it's not the end of the world, and I don't want to make it seem like it is. Well, that is also a spiritual condition, you know, because you want to have the kind of view of the world and of your circumstances where the Holy Spirit can remind you, you know, in the scheme of things, Mm -hmm. this is not that big of a thing, Mm -hmm. you know. And I think that if we get to a point where everything is just a huge deal, 
everything is a huge deal that we're dealing with, then it probably is a spiritual issue, you know, where we need to stop and say, okay, I'm, am I trying to do all of this parenting and dealing with all these things at my own power? Mm-hmm. Or am I relying on Christ to take care of these things and just trying to be wise and discerning in how I deal with them with the help of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, and if everything's a big deal, then your life is probably missing a, a true big deal. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I think people that really get caught up in making big issues out of what the what the rest of us consider the minutia of life. Right. Is, and I'm, that's, that sounds really arrogant. But if you are a Christian on mission, if you are a Christian who's seeing the big picture of that we've been sent by Jesus Christ, the Father sent him, he's sending us, it's our Sunday school lesson this week. If, if you are looking at your task as a parent of making disciples and you're looking at your family being a part, a vital part of a church that's impacting a community, you know, um, then I'm trying to think of what's, what's not a big deal. You know, uh, maybe I can think of a, something that happened to me last week, which was I, uh, we left the dance bag at the house. Mm. You know, and, you know, we could say, that I, I just said, well, I, we forgot the dance bag. I should have picked it up. You you should have picked it up. One of us should have gotten it. She went in there. They let her, they found her some extra shoes to wear. It was no big deal. But, you know, and maybe that's a bad example. Maybe you don't get the homework folder signed, something, you know. But you just think, hey, in the big scheme of things, this is this is not going to be a big deal in two hours. We're going to forget that this ever happened. Right. But people that just constantly are, are are get a complex about how their world is falling apart all the time. They need to get a, some perspective, right. you know. And which I think that's all of us at times. I think it's yeah. I think it is a very 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 easy at any given moment of the day to lose your sense of perspective. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And then you just have to, I think, just to kind of bring it back, you know, that's where patience, just kind of being slow to get worked up over something, being mm-hmm. being patient in affliction, understanding, hey, this is not, don't let this get your blood pressure up. You know, and you meet people like that. I don't know if I'm one of them. I, I feel like it's pretty hard to get a rise out of me unless it's you trying. But... <laughs> you don't ever get mad. No, I try not. To, I don't think I get mad that often because getting mad is not worth it. Like yeah. in the end, it doesn't really accomplish much. You know, right? There's a there's a proverb sixteen thirty two. It says, "Better a patient man than a warrior, a man who controls his temper, than one who takes a city." You know, so you think of even the great things about warriors and conquerors and all that. He says it's better if you just cool it. Just cool it. Mm. You know, be patient. Just wait. Mm. And usually, I found if you just wait, whatever it's when it when you get those moments. You ever have those moments where you just feel like everything's falling apart? Yeah. That you you thought everything was going so great, and then you just get like two phone calls, and it makes you think, wait a minute, maybe my whole life is crumbling here. <laughs> you know. But if you just wait for about another five minutes, you'll be like, oh, yeah, everything's okay. Yeah. We can handle this. You know. Well, my parents are two of the most patient people in the mm-hmm. world. And I, 
wrote a little something a a while back about my dad and how tender he was with me, Mm -hmm. you know, and and I was, you know, now that I'm a parent myself, I can realize how annoying that I was Mm -hmm. because I know I was, especially as a teenager, Mm -hmm. I was a, you know, I don't even know the word for it. I was like a rabid Christian when I was a teenager. Well, I said we were Pharisees. Yeah, and I had all of these ideas, you know, and all of these theories and all of this stuff, you know, and I would come home and sit in the living room with my dad and just try to teach him, you know, all of this stuff that I had figured out. Yes. And he was so patient with me and he never told me I was an idiot and he never said you don't know anything about life I mean he never said any of that he listened to me and he patiently responded Mm -hmm. and taught me where I was wrong you know and he never did it in a way that made me want to stop talking to him about things, mm-hmm. you know, even though he was gently redirecting me every single time I would sit down and talk, I still wanted to come back and talk to him and teach him all of these things. And every time I walked away, you know, it was that he had set me straight on everything, <laughs> but he just did it in a very tender. He didn't, he didn't realize it. No, yeah. he just was doing it in such a gentle way, you mm-hmm. know. And, of course, it wasn't until years later that I realized that maybe my dad really did know a few things about life. Right. <laughs> but I, I always remember that. Both of my parents have always been extremely patient with me and, you know, endlessly listen to me blather on about things that don't really matter, that weren't true. Yeah. And they just listened, you know, and then they taught me things. Yeah, and we need to be that person for our kids. Yeah. Is is to realize they're going to come to us with those wacky ideas. They're going to um, question why things are the way they are. And, and I think you can say, you know, hey, w- things are the way they are, and we're hoping some things will change, but we've got to be patient. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, that's in, in church work, there's, there's a lot of, of similarity there where people just come in and they think, well, I just don't understand why we just can't do this and why we can't do this and why we can't do this. And, you know, if if you were making up a brand new church, if you had a church plant, maybe you could do some do something. But then you say, "No, because you if if you if you did what you want to do, if you came in and changed all the music or you changed this or this or this aspect of the programming of the church, it would it would sort of like be throwing a bomb in there." It would blow up. It wouldn't work. Nobody would come to church anymore. You know, you'd ruin the whole thing. So you slowly turn, you know, programs and things that maybe over years get out of kilter. You'd slowly turn those back to where they're productive. And maybe that's what your dad was doing with the, your your little heart, yeah. your little teenage heart. He was just slowly during the conversation, you know, you know, it's like, oh, here she, here she is, such, such an idiot. Only he thought that in his heart. <laughs> but we've all been there. Yeah. We've all been frustrated with the way things are. So we're going to go tell our parents, well, the church had to be like this and this and this and this. And this. Right. No, we can't. We, you just have to convey that to them. No, it's just the change is slow. Give it time. Be patient. It is a fruit of the Spirit. Yes, it is. So it's it's something that... 
is hard for us in the flesh. But as, this, as our hearts are changed, as we become more like Jesus Christ, then that patience will be something that is manifest in our mm-hmm. life. And yeah. our children will benefit from that. Definitely. And I feel like that a lot of times we are least patient with our children in the areas that we struggle with the most. Definitely. The places where I can look at Adelaide and I can think, my gosh, this child is just like me. I recognize this this Mm -hmm. thing that I'm seeing in her, and yet I have so little patience for it, Mm -hmm. you know, even though people have had so much patience with me Mm -hmm. for that very thing that chances are I'm still struggling with, Mm -hmm. you know. And sometimes it's, it, I think our response is we're, we didn't want to have a particular conversation or, we're, or we just get scared if they come in and they say, I, I just don't know how to believe the Bible. Or is the Bible real? You know, Adelaide's asked this before, how do I know the Bible's not made up like Narnia? Mm-hmm. Knowing you think, oh, man. And I guess you could just snap at them and say, well, it's just something you just have to believe or you don't believe it. You know, right. But that's not a patient response. No. More sit down with them, talk about why the the Bible's reliable, talk about, go through, work through their doubts. And, and I them. don't think, you know, we should, we, we tend to panic whenever children come and ask us those kinds of questions. And we tend to think, oh, does it mean this? Does it mean that? The truth is that when our children are asking those deep questions, and when our children are having those kind of doubts, you know, it it should be encouraging to us because it means that our children are thinking through their faith, which is really important. Mm -hmm. A a faith that is, that comes from just blindly following, you know, what you've been told instead of investigating it yourself, you know, and learning, learning, really learning it in your mind, in your heart, in your soul, and thinking it through and deciding what you think about it, that's going to be a much stronger faith. Yeah, because the questions are going to come at some point. Right. And it's better for, the, for, it's better for you to be working them through a point or, or discipling them to a point where they'll ask questions when they're still in your home right. than when they get to a college campus. And there's plenty of people with answers, mm-hmm. you know, but they're not going to be the same thing you're going to tell them. Right. So it's... Uh, yeah, and I think we should point. be honest with our children that that we all have doubts. You know, we yeah. all have those periods or those moments where we wonder, is this for real? You know, is, yeah. this, is this, am I just imagining this whole thing? Because it's important for them whenever they come to us to realize this is normal. That's why this is called faith. You mm-hmm. know, it's because it's it's not something, you know, it's the substance of things hoped for. But not you seen. know, and not things that we can see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, and then it's good to remember that even whenever we're having doubts, when we're having fears, that the reason we're able to be patient with our children is because God is ultimately so patient with us. If you think about how patient the Lord is, with with all of our foolishness. I mean, think of just the thoughts that we have during a day mm. that if we could, if other people knew we were thinking those things, they would just be disgusted with us. Mm-hmm. And he knows every thought. He sees everything that we do. He sees our hypocrisy. He sees our 
our our filthy rag righteousness, the best that we have to bring is nothing, and he still says, "I'll uh, I'll work with you. Right. I can work with that. It's it's okay. We're gonna you know we're we're not gonna stay this way, you know." And he's patient, right? And he and he just he just bears with us um, while we're on this process of sanctification. And even whenever you think, "Wow, now I'm at a point where I can tell other people." what they need to do in their sanctification, you're still not there. Mm-hmm. So there's always room for us to be patient because God is continually being patient with us. So, well, that's a good topic. I hope that helps people. Be patient with your children. Chad, tomorrow, because I'm not patient. I don't like to wait on people. I don't like to, I don't like to wait for the kids to come get in the truck in the morning. For an extra two minutes. <laughs> Thinking, why is this taking so long? But we need to be patient with our children, patient with each other, uh, patient in our churches. You know, so. I always come back to the idea. I mean, I really do believe that our kids' first impressions of what God is like is what their parents are like. Mm-hmm. And we have to make sure that we're not painting a picture to them of a God who is just constantly upset with them, you know, and constantly disappointed and constantly, Mm -hmm. you know, wishing that they were a different person, Mm -hmm. you know, because the truth is that, you know, when, when our kids are, you know, take for example, when your child is sick and and things get really disgusting, it happens. Mm Mm-hmm. You do not, you know, when your child is covered from head to toe with disgusting things. <laughs> Are you talking about vomit? Yeah. Are you talking about Pepe? <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you In that moment, you don't look at your child and think, ooh, I don't want anything to do with this mm-hmm. person. You know, you, you feel compassion for them. Right. You feel empathy for them you you want to take care of them you know you sleep in a place in the house where you can hear them if they need you Mm. you know that's the kind of compassion that god has for us he doesn't look at us and think they're disgusting you know he looks at them he looks at us and he loves us you know his love for us swells even whenever he sees us doing stupid things Mm. you know so it's important that we convey that to our kids, you know, whenever they're getting their first glimpses of what God is like. We want them to see God as as a patient, you know, long-suffering, father, ever-loving father yeah. that he yeah. is by the example that we give. And, of course, we're going to lose our temper and we're going to make mistakes. And every single day it happens, we will make mistakes as parents. Mm-hmm. But... Kids are so gracious. But cats aren't. (laughs) I was just thinking, you know, how angry I get every morning when I go outside and the cat's pooped in the back of my truck. That's not a litter box. It's it looks I I will grant the cat that with that bed liner in there, it looks like a giant litter box. I will grant her that. You have said poop twice. Well, in two is, different contexts. This this show is a real show. <laughs> we do not, you know, skirt the issues here. We talk about what's relevant, 
We, we talk, talk about hard-hitting issues like the cat pooping in the back of Chad's truck. And that's not right. <laughs> and I know I, I, I don't ever do anything to the cat that's mean. I just look at her. She looks back at me with that look like, yeah, I know, buddy. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> and now I'm on the roof of your truck, and I'm about to slide down the windshield and mess up the clean windshield. Yeah. And it tries my patience. But I just take it down to the car wash, spray it out. You know, we've got to be patient people. Even with cats that poop in the back of your truck. I'm just glad I've got a truck for the cat to poop in. (laughs) It's all about perspective. It's all about perspective. (laughs) (laughs) Well, all right. Well, I guess we'll sign off. Okay. All right, it's been good. kind of a little shorter podcast, 35 minutes. That's a, that's a good length, right? I think that might be a record for that, us. That's the shortest podcast Short, ever. Shortness record. Yeah, so go out there and, uh, and, and be patient. So go out there and don't do anything. Be cool. <laughs> be cool, baby. Be cool. All right, thanks for listening. Bye-bye.